everybody, you are listening to Art Speaks, a production of the William King Museum of Art on WEHC 90.7. I'm Charlotte Torrance, I'm your host today, and I'm here with Marcy Parks. Hi everybody! Marcy uh, is a local artist as well as the organizer of the Bristol and Bloom um, Art Festival, and today first we're going to talk about Marcy's artwork, uh, what she's working on, and just kind of about being a professional artist. So to start off, um, Marcy, I want to ask you, where are you with your artwork right now? What is it that you're working on? Wow, um, that's a big question. So first, I just want to say first, Charlotte, thank you so much for inviting me to do this. I'm really excited to get to collaborate with the William King Museum again this year, especially for Bristol and Bloom. But to be on this radio show and to have the invitation to tell my story and the festival story is just a really big honor. So thank you. Um, you're, you're super welcome. Yeah. yeah. Um, so as far as my art right now, gosh, this weekend, this past weekend was really loaded with a lot of art events. I am currently, I have three big pieces of work on display at the Arts Depot as part of a group exhibit curated by Jocelyn Matthews. It's called From Dining Room to Freight Station. So Jocelyn put together this show featuring all the artists that she hosted in her dining room art gallery that she created uh, during the pandemic. And so, yeah, I have three works hanging in there now with 10 or so other artists that I love from this area. And I'm so pumped about that. Friday night was the opening reception, and it was just so awesome to be one to have my work hanging next to so many artists that I love and admire and really respect from this region but also to have our work together in the Arts Depot which is a place I never really thought that my art would fit so that's really exciting but also just to be in the same room with all of these people for that reception on Friday night was just so fun and exhilarating and just really, really exciting. And then Saturday, I did the um, Nocturnal Art Market, which is a series of markets, pop-up markets that happen in the Tri-Cities and in Abingdon, hosted by Brian Surway. Brian's a great friend of mine, and I just love him dearly. And he's been doing a lot of work also to uplift the arts community. Um, so he's been hosting these pop-up markets, and so I got to do that at Wolf Hills Brewing here in Abingdon on Saturday, and all of those markets are always just like a big party. It feels really good and fun. A lot of busy things, a lot of events happening on the calendar as of late, but I, I have a new body of work that I've been putting together all year that's releasing in September, on September 30th, called Her Story, A Survivor's Journey, and this body of work feels... Well, it's a collection of large abstract paintings. Um, They're some of the biggest pieces that I've done to date, which feels really awesome. And the collection in itself is a telling of my own story through um, healing from PTSD and trauma and my trauma recovery and just a reassessing of the lineages that I have inherited personally, but also just as a woman in the context of our society and culture. And so it's um, reframing my identity as a woman, the feminine identity, what um, and redefining what those themes mean for me and redefining sort of what motherhood looks like for me and, and just kind of mapping out this story, right? This story of trauma, this story of recovery, and then the journey of a mother in that context. 
and what stories I'm ready to let go of and what habits and habits of trauma response I'm ready to let go of so that I don't pass that on to my daughter. So a lot of themes of inherited trauma, generational trauma, that sort of thing also. Um, but that's coming out September 30th. And um, I have an online gallery. So I usually do like a private viewing on my online gallery for people in the collectors club. So people that subscribe to my newsletter and then a public release the following day. So I'm really excited about that. Super pumped. It's just been building all year and I'm so so ready to have this work out in the world so you're totally not busy at all right? yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I mean I have um I have a full-time job too I manage kiln time contemporary ceramics in Bristol um so I do that I organize the festival I paint and then I'm a mom and a wife and all the things you know that go with that as well so yeah definitely very very busy that's un it's disgusting <laughs> One of the um, unfortunate things, I'll say. I think that there's there were two kind of responses that I, I thought of with uh, everything you just told us um, that I want to explore. And one of them, which is a little bit more shallow, that just came to mind is that I think there's this misconception about artists, especially like an abstract artist. And I think even especially like a woman where it's like to be this creative person, you're like in this like messy studio apartment waking up at... <laughs> 2 p.m. and then slapping paint on a canvas and sipping coffee and being this like tortured artist. Whereas like in reality, um, my first impression even emailing with you a year ago was that you're a very, very organized person. I appreciate you saying that so much. Um, in fact, I hope my husband hears this. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. I think that when people hear that you're an artist, the image that comes to this their mind usually is this bohemian free spirit. Mm -hmm. Like, I go where the wind takes me and whatever. And not that, like, not to shame or knock anybody who, who does embody that, right? But for me... I have to be organized. Otherwise, I can't get anything done. And so, yeah, I'm definitely, I would say that's one of my strengths is being able to keep all the plates spinning. And so in order to manage all the things that I'm managing, I have to keep a system going or too many things will fall through the cracks. And, you know, I think it's a, I have a lot of thoughts about this, especially as women and the way we've just been sort of conditioned to organize everything, especially mm -hmm. mothers, you know, they're keeping up, we're keeping up with like our kids' lunch schedule, right? Like all their extracurriculars, their routines, da da da, and then the household schedule as well. And so, I mean, moms are just inherently good managers, I feel like, but um, you have to be, like I said. But yeah, I, I do try to keep a really strong system, not to say that I don't let things fall through the cracks because I definitely do on occasion, but in order to keep all the plate spinning that I do, I have to stay on top of everything. Yeah, I think it's something like this misconception even carries into when people are studying art in college um, and we're here on like a college station. I like to think we get student listeners. People think, oh, you're an art major and you don't have to go do lab hours and you don't have to go do all this homework, whereas you have to write these long essays, you have to be in your studio at 3 a.m. sometimes trying to finish something because doing making these objects takes hours and oh. being an artist is being a small business owner. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the where, where I guess other career paths or studies would be intensive in terms of lab hours and things like that, you know, art has its own sort of intensive to it that is, I would say, has its own unique challenges in that 
it's more introspective. Like the intensive, the intensity comes from the introspection that you have to do in order to create these deeply personal mm-hmm. artworks or creations. And in that sense, it's much more intangible. And so it can be really challenging to have to reflect on and try to articulate what it is that's inside of you and bringing it into the world and into form. You know, it's not like, there's not like a studies already for you or studies that have led to this point where you, you have them as like guideposts. Whereas with art, it's it's so deeply personal and it's so unique to the individual that, you know, the intensity and the, the labor really comes from that introspection and bringing those things into form. And so I feel like, yes, art definitely has its unique challenges that make it laborious and taxing that is hard for somebody to understand unless they've actually experienced it. And again, you know, with artists and this bohemian stereotype or whatever kind of stereotype that there is you you are you're a small business owner you still have to get um you still have to represent yourself you still have to market you still have to photograph you have to get all these things in order in order to share your work especially now in such a digital platform where we do share things and so yeah you do have to maintain some level of organization and one person that I'll say Jocelyn Matthews who organized the show at the Arts Depot currently and who runs the Eat Art Space Gallery out of her dining room. I mean, she is amazing as far as being able to manage those tasks and be a project manager and and the, her level of organization and being an artist and having her own creations is just really incredible. Yeah. So they're definitely out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a message for HR professionals. Um, you should hire artists as your project managers. Oh, my gosh. And people do. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Um, so uh, some things you said brought me back into my second point, And this is kind of this deep dive thought that came to mind when you were talking about your Her Story art collection show. Yeah. Um, and that's that in, if we look like historically into abstract art and would you call your work abstract expressionism yes Do you think that's accurate? yeah definitely yeah so definitely with abstract expressionism like picture Jackson Pollock it's very very masculine mm-hmm. and it's almost intentionally surface level like if we look back that part of like the purpose of like not necessarily abstract expressionism but like mid-century abstraction was to do paintings that were just paintings like they weren't referential to anything else and then abstract expressionism of course was more about expressing emotion or leaving behind the mark of the artist's movement on the canvas. But a lot of that, like especially from Jackson Pollock doing that expressionism, was very masculine focused. And it was, it's really interesting to explore that medium now, not just as a woman, but in like this trauma exploration theme that you're doing, it's actually very counter to kind of the history of that um, style. And I think that that's a super like interesting thing about your artwork that like stands out to me and like personally that I don't know if people would really recognize right away so I wanted to to explain it and tell them about it yeah do you have any thoughts on that well first I really appreciate you saying that I love hearing you talk about it in that way it feels really good and affirming thank you um but yeah so for me I've been so I've been going to therapy for since 2017 five years now time is so weird um (laughs) since the pandemic happened but yeah I've been going to therapy for five years and I've been doing EMDR therapy with my therapist to address issues around 
the trauma that I've experienced and my recovery. And there's, um, and if you're not familiar with EMDR therapy, I forget what the acronym stands for, but basically it's taking memories or stories that you have, like a, a self-narrative, and you're engaging with this stimulus that basically I hold like two controls and they go back and forth vibrating in my hands and I watch this light going back and forth on a screen mm-hmm. and I listen to these headphones that have a beep in each ear. And so it's this external stimulus that's engaging both hemispheres of your brain. And so you're processing this story or narrative that is a trigger. And while you're holding and engaging with this stimulus, you're processing that memory and it's helping you take the memory or story or the the trigger basically and process it from the emotional side of your brain to the more rational side. And so that it no longer has the the reaction. It doesn't it's no longer a trigger for you anymore. And so We've been doing that, but it's had me thinking a lot about just the physical nature, like the physical, the connection between the physical body and trauma, right? And the way trauma is stored in our bodies and this to exercise that trauma out of your body almost, if that makes sense. And I mean like exercise as in like physical exercise, but it also like exercise, like exercising a demon almost. Uh-huh. It's like you are engaging in this physical way and engaging your physical body and your mind to process this trigger or memory and traumatic experience so that it sort of exits the body. And so for me, painting is a lot like that. It's a lot, it's, a, it's like another form of the MDR therapy where I am painting and whatever memories or feelings or reactions I have to this, me engaging with this surface, with this medium, with the with the materials and the tools that I'm using. And my work in itself is so physical in nature, right? Like I'm breaking a sweat when I'm painting usually because I'm jumping around and whatever. Um, so it's it's a way for me to process a lot of that experience. And I don't typically go into a painting thinking about like, okay, I want to work through this today, right? It, it usually is just when I am met with a blank canvas and I'm met with my tools and the medium, it it's almost like it's, it's a very triggering thing, right? Mm-hmm. Being confronted with that. Like making art is not for the faint of heart. It takes a lot of courage. And you confront a lot of your own self-narrative in that experience of painting anyway. And so, so once I start going, you know, there are always like thoughts and belief systems that start coming up. And in the process of painting, I'm not necessarily being intentional about it but it is like just following this train of thought and pulling on these threads and finding out like where are they knotted up like where's the origin of it and then you know just getting curious about that and so for me this experience especially with this body of work has been really healing and again just assessing reassessing those themes around femininity and womanhood and motherhood and and each body of work that I end up creating does tell a story along that journey of healing for me and so it's it's very much I guess like it's it's they're all sort of their own anthology of history for me but um, telling a story of where I'm at in the process of healing but I would say that for me, this work, exploring those themes around femininity and like what you were saying with, you know, abstract expressionism being historically a really masculine thing. For me, this work is about challenging that notion of femininity because 
All right, I'm going on a tangent here, but um, I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> so for me, femininity was always articulated and communicated to be a specific way growing up, right? It was ruffles, it was lace, it was curls with bows, it was smiles, and it was always the emotion of joy. But that was not true to the way femininity was expressed in me. For me, femininity was always expressed in wildness and freedom and mess and loud and competitive and boisterous and, and rowdy and, and rage-filled. And so this body of work especially, but really all of my work is about that feminine expression of more than just dainty, delicate, fragile, but looking at feminine from a point of strength and boldness and courage and and again, rage, so much rage, right? Mm -hmm. And in this body of work especially, I feel like that is communicated so much more strongly than it has been in the past. So this body of work, her story is, is feels the most authentic to my voice at this time, which is really affirming. But, but yeah, I, I do try to capture that, that duality of femininity, but in a bold and expressive and strong way um, that otherwise in the past historically probably wasn't so much so. But I would say, you know, Joan Mitchell, an abstract expressionist artist, she from that, you know, Jackson Pollock's time, she is a huge inspiration for me. And, and again, in that way of capturing like a feminine expression in such a big and imposing way, just in the size of her paintings, right? But that's something that I really aspire to also capture. Yeah, and behind all of those um, historically significant abstract expressionists, like artists who were men, were women who were sometimes doing it first. Yes. And not behind them as in like their wives, even though Jackson Pollock's wife was also in a really talented artist. Yes. Um, but there were a lot of women who were not recognized as being like historically significant in the terms of like making impacts on like artistic movements, even though they were. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Joan Mitchell is one that I just got to see her work in person in Baltimore. And that mm -hmm. was... I mean, just, I get goosebumps. I'm getting goosebumps yeah. now thinking about it. It was just so inspiring. But yeah, I mean, to see, you know, Jackson Pollock is like a household name. Mm -hmm. But then Joan Mitchell, Helen Frankenthaler, Lee Strassner, they were all giants of that time mm -hmm. or, you know, hidden though, yeah. right? And mm -hmm. now it's like they still don't have the same ra name recognition, but made as significant, if not more so, of an impact in that time. Yeah, and there's a there's a famous paper um, in art history, which is why have there been no great woman artists by Linda Docklin that helps explore that phenomenon that this is that's a genuine phenomenon. Yeah, um, from female artists. Yeah. So here's a really tricky question. Okay. That doesn't have an answer. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's when you're dealing with abstract artwork that is has so much contained within it mm -hmm. as you've described that is deeply personal coming out of this artist, going through this emotional labor for creation, and then you have this end product that then kind of has to exist by itself, mm -hmm. right? Like the book doesn't come with the author. So do you have any thoughts on like, how do people digest this work when it becomes an independent object? Mm -hmm. Because some people are like, how am I supposed to look at abstract artwork? Sure. And a lot of the times those are the people who, when they learn more behind the artwork, end up kind of loving it. Because I think when you say that you're starting already from a point of passion, 
you're already passionate about the artwork, so yeah. you're at a good starting point. So how do you explain that to them? How can you engage with this object? Yeah. So I have multiple answers to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so first, in my own experience with sharing my work, I don't want to tell people how to think about it, right? I want them to have their own responses and reactions to it. But I do try to give some context as far as like where I was coming from with this work and what its significant is for significance is for me. However, you know, when it comes to people just coming across the work, like if they just stumble into a gallery and meet this work, for me, it's just one of my biggest driving factors and biggest passions is creating that connection, whether it's connection between me and another individual, connection between me and my own work, connection between a person and the work, right, that I'm producing, whatever it is. And so my one ask, I guess, if I have an ask for anyone who's engaging, and not just with my work, but any work, is that I just want you to, when you are engaging with, especially my work, an abstract piece, um, and again, any other work, is just to pause and reflect on what is, how are you responding to this? What is your reaction to that? And hopefully, right, if I'm doing my job well, there's some reaction. And I feel like when you really are taking that time to connect with that part of yourself, that that subconscious, even primal part of yourself that just responds to colors and movement and anything else, you know, you will see that you do have a genuine reaction to it. It might even be complete disgust, and that's okay, right? There is probably a a misunderstanding out there that artists are expecting people to all love their work, right? I, I am not a person that is expecting anybody to love my work. Like if you are looking at it and you are absolutely disgusted, I'm just as happy as if you absolutely love it. And that's just because I want you to feel something. And I, I was at a show one day actually and somebody, I was at a market and somebody came up to me and told me that my work was really scary to them. And I was so amused by that because, you know, it's not like, you wouldn't think that my work would be, it's not scary in traditional terms of like gore or mm-hmm. horror or anything like that, right? It's actually pr- quite colorful, but to them, it was intimidating in some way. And and so for me, it's when you're engaging with abstract artwork, especially since it's not so visually apparent what it's supposed to be or whatever represent. I would just ask that if you're engaging with that and you're not really sure how, just take a second to think about how this is making you feel or not even think about it, just actually feel into yourself and f- and become conscious of what it is that your body is, what messages you're receiving from your body in the way that you're responding, whether it's you are pleased by it or displeased or annoyed or for some reason, strangely attracted to it, you know, just reflecting on that and then asking yourself questions, right? So just thinking, well, why? What do I like? What do I not like? Why does this bother me? And and that's really all I'm trying to do because in that moment, right, you're, you are creating a connection with yourself. You're creating a dialogue with yourself. And that's that's like what I could only, that's the best hope I could have for people engaging with my work. So my, like, I think what's really interesting actually about what you said about how to engage with this abstract expressionist artwork is you're kind of describing meditation. Yes, yeah. Yeah, so to look at something, to focus and to listen to your bodily response 
and and artwork you know has been used for, as a meditative focus in a lot of cultures especially eastern cultures for thousands of years yeah and so there's some really cool connection in that and like this is a form of engaging with artwork that i think sometimes doesn't make its way into like fully westernized art observing yeah yeah definitely yeah. and another thing i think of which is like this is just how how it comes into my head um as someone who works in art museums when someone is like look at that points to a you know famous abstract artwork and it's like that's ugly and i hate it and i hate <laughs> that it's in here and it's probably worth like a hundred million dollars there's not a lot of artwork in this on this planet that's worth a hundred million dollars but people always say that yeah and, and act like it is and it reminds me of this story that I heard from a rabbi. Because when I was in grad school, I used to go listen to the college uh, rabbi on uh, Friday nights. And he and I think this is a made-up story that rabbis tell. <laughs> they were talking about, like, there was once upon a time this guy who, like, came and was complaining to his rabbi, like, in, in Israel or in a Jewish community. Or he was like, I this is all stupid. I... I reject all of this. In fact, every Saturday on the Sabbath, I drive all the way out of town so that I can go to a restaurant and eat lobster because it's forbidden food just to just to spite the whole system. Wow. And apparently the allegedly the rabbi said, I'm so proud of you. You observe every Sabbath. (laughs) You're more religious than I am. And that's how I feel when someone gets so mad about abstract art or, like, when they get passionate. And I'm like, oh, I'm so jealous of you right now because you are having a passionate response to this artwork. Yes. That's awesome. No, I love yeah. that. And I love that you have that response as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and that's – I guess that's the thing is that I feel like a lot of people trivialize abstract work mm-hmm. as, like – I mean, I've had people in my in my family even say like, "Wow, that looks like your daughter painted it," you know, and she's five. And I'm like, "Well, yeah." I, I'm and and in, for me, I'm like, "Wow, I hope so," because she's so free in her expression, right? Yeah. And yeah. I guess that's part of it is like when we're kids, we're so free in the way that we express ourselves, and that's really what the art is is like that freedom and that play and that courage. And as we get older, that gets trained out of us a lot, right? Because mm-hmm. people make comments like, well, it looks like your five-year-old painted that or yeah. whatever and try to shame you for it. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, for me, though, that's a compliment. I want to have the fr- same freedom of expression that my daughter has. I want to have the same courage and boldness that she has when she's just slapping paint on paper, you know, because that's amazing. That's a full. That's the full spectrum of expression that her body can do in that moment and that's beautiful and I feel like with people who look at abstract artwork and think you know in that in that way and try to trivialize it in that way one I think there's just I I just want to give them paints and be like (laughs) well do it you know like yes it it that's okay if it looks like a five-year-old did it okay good that's not a bad thing right like for a lot of people, I just want that. Like anybody who feels that way about abstract art or any art in general where they're dismissive of it or trivialize it, I just want to give them paints and be like, you really need to paint. You really need to get this out of you, yeah. right? And so tell me how you feel about that. Yes, right, right yeah. <laughs> Express yourself. Um, I think if people were just to think about it in that context, like this is a person who, and again, understanding the courage that it takes yeah. And the vulnerability that it takes to put that out there because it is so deeply personal. I'd say for a lot of people, uh, definitely that it's they're too scared to be seen in that way. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that's something that speaking for myself, like I've had to work through. I wasn't even I could not even call myself an artist until 
2019. Like I was too scared to even own that identity for myself because I didn't feel like one. Even though I had been painting and drawing and making art my whole life, it was just something that for me didn't feel like I had earned, I guess. Mm -hmm. And now it's like the first thing that I tell people when they ask what I do or whatever. Yeah, I, I definitely feel that. I love telling people that they're artists. Yes. When they don't know it. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah absolutely. And that's, that's so at Kiln Time, we have people that come in all the time. We're a paint-your-own-pottery studio, so we have pottery molds that are already made that people could come in and paint. And we have people that come in all the time and say, oh, but I'm not artistic. And I'm like, oh, but you are. <laughs> you just need, like, just take, you know, make sure you got at least two hours. Give yourself some time to get warmed up, and then it'll be out. You know, just give yeah. yourself that time. You know, again, it's just a lot of fear that, that keeps you away from that and the fear of being judged that keeps you away from that. I think judgment always is really exists, like, in tandem with fear. Yes. And I think that's a big part of it. I'm also tempted to almost dive into this this other side of, of that response, which is uh, labor and value. Okay. And that's that's a whole conversation. Yeah. However, we're, we're kind of coming to the end of our episode. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I have to say you're listening to WEHC 90.7. This is Art Speaks with the William King Museum of Art. Our host today was me, Charlotte, and our guest today was Miss Marcy Parks. And can you tell people where they can find your artwork and look you up? Yes. So you can look me up. At um, on Instagram at Marcy Parks Art on Facebook Marcy Parks Art. I have a website www.marcyparksart.com, and I currently have three large pieces um, at the Arts Depot in Abingdon. If you're local, it'll be there all through the month. So definitely go and check that out in person. Um, otherwise, just find me online. <laughs> awesome.